on this episode of the Nature Slimming Show, Spencer Tunick. This episode of the Nature Slimming Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome, dear listener, to episode 84 of the Naturist Living Show. My name is Stéphane Deschaines. I am your host for this podcast and the owner of Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. And it has been a fabulous summer here at Bear Oaks. Hot, sunny, days over 30, uh, more often than I can ever remember. Of course, it's a little worrisome because it's probably due to global warming. Uh, but it was very good for us at the park. It made for a very enjoyable summer. Not quite as good for farmers in the area. The lack of rain was a little bit of a problem, and there was some droughts in areas of uh, southern Ontario where we're located. But we did well. We didn't run out of water at all, and we still had enough rain that things were generally fairly green. So it was a fairly ideal summer for naturism where you certainly didn't want to wear clothes. So. So for that reason, of course, you haven't had a podcast for a while, and now I'm catching up with a number of episodes. And today, I want to talk about Spencer Tunick. Um, Many people have heard of Spencer Tunick. He's become quite famous. Uh, He's a photographer. Uh, He likes to paint generally urban settings with nude bodies. He paints the urban setting with the nude bodies of people. And that's his art and his photography. He started in the 90s in New York City and... uh, got arrested a number of times or the models were arrested and he fought and he won. And since then he's become so famous that he's been doing shoots all over the world. Uh, he's done some in Canada and Germany, Austria, France, uh, Spain, I believe. Uh, I think he was in South America not re- uh, fairly recently. But this summer he did uh, a, a, few, uh, a few installations, as they're called. Um, he did one... Uh, he did one in front on July 18th. Uh, he did one with 100 women in front of the Republican National Convention, where, as we now know, uh, Donald Trump was selected as the official candidate for the presidency, uh, representing the Republican Party. And he was there and doing this as a protest, which got a lot of press, of course. Uh, but also, most interestingly, he did one just about a little over a week before that on July 9th in Kingston-upon-Hull in the UK. Uh, It was called a Sea of Hull. Uh, The sea, because uh, it was like a sea, the people were all painted in blue in multiple colors or multiple shades of blue. Uh, And he created this installation where he painted the landscape with people in blue, which was like uh, waves of the ocean. Uh, It was for the Ferrens Art Gallery, and they had over 3,000 people. Uh, it looks fabulous, and I wanted to learn more about it. So I contacted Emma James, uh, who is very active on Twitter and I've been following for a while because she was there, and so I thought she could be a first-hand witness to tell us more about what it was like. So you just participated in the... Uh, it's uh, it's called Hall, the city of Hall, or... Yes, absolutely. It was brilliant. It's commissioned by the Ferrens Art Gallery um, to celebrate the 
2017, um, they're the City of Culture in 2017, so they commissioned Spencer to do this massive installation, art installation in the streets of Hull. Um, it was absolutely incredible uh, because, of course, having nudity in an urban setting, it just creates so many interesting dynamics. And so we were sort of spread eagle on the floor, um, around the big landmarks. And because there were so many of us, there were 3,200 people. It literally was a tidal wave, as one of the local papers said, mm. of, of nude people. Uh, and we were painted in four different shades of blue. And actually, the weird thing is, when you see the camera, when you see the, pic the photographs that have emerged from the, uh, the various shoots, that it's a very, very deep, intense blue. And you didn't get the same effect when you were actually looking at the colour on the, on the human body. So there's some clever clever work involved there with the paint and it was a, it was quite indelible it took a while to get off but you need that because of the british weather in case it rains <laughs> and and we have listeners all over the world so where is hull um hull's up north when in england we tend to say up north and down south i live in the south now and it's quite south centric in the uk but i have to say i'm very proud that i hail my heritage is northern my dad's a bolton lad so um that's uh Hull is in Yorkshire. We've got, I don't know how many counties is, um, in the UK, that's my, um, but Hull is up north and it's it's a major city. And architecturally, it's absolutely stunning. So it's north and is it warm? Um, I don't think anywhere in England is particularly warm. I want to retire abroad. I don't like this country in terms of the lack of sunshine and the lack of heat. It, it, it Like anywhere in the UK, it can be warm for a limited period of time in the year. The up north is slightly cooler, generally, than the south, but we're talking only maybe a degree. And they tend to have... The weather doesn't tend to be quite as, uh, as good as certain pockets of the south. Kent has a sort of little microclimate of its own. London tends to be slightly warmer, but um, nowhere is particularly good in the UK. So it was uh, you got up very early in the morning to take all your clothes off. How, how warm was it? Uh, it wasn't warm. I'm quite hardy anyway because I, I enjoy the outdoor lifestyle, camping, barbecuing, hiking, nude hiking. Uh, and obviously as naturists and nudists, we know that the body is very good at regulating itself. But that said, if you're outside from 4 a.m. to late 30, and on, but some of the time you're actually lying on concrete and cobbles, we got pretty cold, especially when we were inert. I was fine if I was moving, but just to lie there, for a period of time, which some of the shoots entailed, some of the setups entailed, it was it was very cold. And the final shot, there were seven scenarios that he photographed. Um, we were on um, quite a well-known landmark, which was a bridge that actually moved around. And the press were at different vantage points, but the the um, the wind was coming in off the Humber. Oh, it was absolutely freezing. It was, um, and we were the, the surface we were standing on wasn't comfortable either. So I think that was probably the most uncomfortable part of the shoot. That and one of the most striking images where we were lying on the floor in a, a major street in Hull and we had to hold an elongated pose with our legs and our arms outstretched. That was actually my favourite moment because I went into quite a nice sort of arty pose. Nobody would have seen me, but in my mind, I was enjoying holding this pose, but we had to keep holding the pose. And after a while, I was thinking, are we going to stop holding the pose in a minute? <laughs> and Spencer was saying, just another 30 seconds or so. And then about three or four minutes later, I'm thinking, I'm sure that was more than 30 seconds. 
but it was good fun. It was great fun. So, so how does this? Uh, how do you find out about it? Let's start from the beginning. How did this happen? Well, I do a lot with naturism and nudism in the UK in terms of trying to help promote it. So, I'm, and because I'm a networker, both in terms of business networking, social networking, and now, of course, in recent years, naturist stroke nudist networking, people send me information all the time. So, I find out about places that I'm not likely to want to go to. I find out about places I'd love to go to, like Fair Oaks. I find out about events, art installations. I find out about music. I find out about um, people that might be of interest. So I'm constantly being fed information. And because I'm um, one of the main forms of marketing that I use is Twitter, and I don't sleep much, I'm generally online between about, on average, 5 to 8.30 a.m. or something like that, unless I have a bad night that I'm on more. And I'll delve around various articles. So I'm also researching myself. It's mainly online. Um, and I came across it, I can't remember when, earlier in the year and applied. Um, and they're, they're very efficient. They got back to me within 24 hours. So I got on quite late in the day, though, because I go to ground in the winter. And I tend to struggle with seasonal affective disorder. I think it's quite common with naturists. And uh, as soon as the sun shines, I come alive again. And that's when I found out about it. Hmm. And so you shows up. You showed up very early in the morning. You said 4 a.m. you started? Um, well, the calls varied from 2.30 to 3.15 a.m. And I was, um, I, was, I was lucky. I was 3.15 batch. I was awake anyway. Um, but there were 3,200 people assembled in a park in the centre of Hull. And uh, we, there was a fair bit of hanging around. Um, occasional instructions from his staff. And then Spencer came into the, the, the throng and stood on a, a big stepladder and basically told us what to expect and introduced his staff. I think there were about three or probably four or five people he introduced, one of whom was called Steve. And Steve became a hot topic of the day because um, Spencer, it, it, he's got a vision in his mind and he, obviously he's an artist and he's keen to get it done as quickly as possible. Maybe the rain might come in or the participants will get uncomfortable and um, some of them might leave. Who knows? But he has this vision and he, he has the artistic temperament. So there was a little bit of irascibility going on. And Steve was sort of bearing the brunt of it. So uh, and as because we were a crowd, you know how crowds tend to sort of develop their own um, dynamic. Mm -hmm. Once somebody in the crowd picked up on the fact that Steve was bearing the brunt of um, Spencer's I am, gently. Um, and so we, we, we set up, he, I think he, just, he started calling out Steve. So every time uh, Spencer mentioned Steve, the whole crowd would say, Steve, Steve, like a football <laughs> chant. It was hilarious. So there were a few lovely moments in, in the shoot. And, and Steve, was, Steve was sort of, was carried through. We carried three, Steve through and he carried us through the entire, the entire morning. It was wonderful. Was but I mean, as one of the, my colleagues said, does it matter? And it didn't matter. It was just you know, it was just an, a, a very very sort of happy festival atmosphere. I'm amazed by the uh, the organisation that must be required. I mean, how do you get three thousand two hundred people painted head to toe in what a couple of hours? Oh no, no, it was um, five ten minutes. Very quick. We were painting each other. We, essentially, we painted ourselves. We had a, a pot of paint each. Um, and then, you know, it's difficult to get to parts of the back. Um, 
So people, we'd then we'd help each other. But it was after all the waiting around, we were then and we'd had our pots of paint with us, and we were told not to paint ourselves up. Some some people I think had done their faces before um, that decree went out. So once they said, okay, you've got three minutes, which was quite a clever tactic because people who perhaps might have been nervous, any anxiety was dispelled and there was this melee of people flinging their clothes off and slathering themselves in paint. It must have been quite something to watch. So say within 10 minutes, we were all completely covered head to toe in paint. And Spencer had made it clear, if you if you weren't fully covered in paint, then you'd be asked to leave the shops. Now, nobody wanted that to occur because this is a collaborative experience. And the last thing you'd want is to be pulled out of the shop. Um, and then having, when we were all ready, we were then told to walk to, I think it's called the Rose Garden, which was maybe just three minutes walk away from this park we um, congregated in. And Spencer is right at the top of the BBC building on the top level, looking down at the Rose Garden. Uh, with his various assistants. And the press are on an open-top bus. <laughs> it was a bizarre scene. So we filed into this beautiful rose garden. Um, and Spencer, all the time, to get that sea effect, he doesn't want any gaps. He was saying, fill the gaps, fill the gaps. Um, and then, generally, he would take one shot where we were facing the camera and another shot in, in reverse. But he also made it clear he didn't want people to smile he wanted us to look impassive because as he said quote is that you know you just look distracting it's a distraction if you smile so in my mind when we were going through this I was um, looking up at Spencer and I was an, an alien and he was the usurper and so we were monitoring and observing him that was what I was imagining in my mind other people probably had different mm -hmm. scenarios but I was just giving him the evils there was no way I was smiling and I didn't see anybody else smiling. But as soon as we'd finished and the, the shot was over, as we walked off, we were we were chatting and interacting and waving at the um, press on the bus. A drone was circulating as well, so we were waving at that. And there were occasionally um, one towards the end, as we were walking towards the seventh setup, which was on the bridge. There were a bunch of students up high in a um, obviously. They'd probably been out partying all night, I don't know, but they were right at the top of a building looking down at us with their camera phones and laughing. Mm -hmm. And that was quite funny because the crowd, the crowd were encouraging them to get naked, to join us, essentially, although they weren't part of the of the process. And so we, we, we all started shouting, off, off, off. And gradually the chaps were taking their tops off, but the ladies were a bit more coy. It was very <laughs> funny. It really was funny. <laughs> So, uh, 3,000 people, I assume most of them were not naturists. Did, did you see any hesitation in people taking their clothes off? Anybody walk away or anything? I didn't see anybody, no. And the, the process of selection was interesting because um, it was the, we were grouped into four different colour schemes, B1, B2, B3, B4. Uh, I was B1, so I was the pale blue. The other three colours to the naked human eye looked as if it, they were varying shades of green. But in fact, on the camera, they, it came out as more of a blue color. So it was very clever. Um, but so it, it really, it was depending on the uh, registration point that you went up to as to whether you were allocated a one, two, three or four. And people bonded within their own individual groups. I didn't see anybody who had volunteered to take part and then decided it wasn't for them. I honestly didn't. And I think it was probably the fact, the way that they worked it, it was so efficient, the way it was organised. And obviously, 
quite a few people would have had qualms, but it was so seamless. You know, one minute everybody's dressed, the next minute you're getting your clothes off as quick as you can and getting the paint on. So and there was that sense of urgency. And then you were straight into the first shoot. And in, I mean, I know from experience, of course, that people get accustomed to nudity very quickly. And there was a really surreal quality to it. So half of the participants are on one side of the park and half on the other side of the park. And as we were walking towards the Rose Gardens, I'm looking over at the other side. They're looking over at us. And there's this sense that you're just involved in a massive happening. You're really making a piece of history. I mean, there's no way any of us could ever, ever replicate that again. It was a moment, moments in time that we'll never forget and a moment in time that we can cherish. But it was also slightly out-of-worldy and surreal at the same time. So as you were immersed in it, you were aware that this was history in the making and this was art in creation. And Spencer was, was wonderful. Mm. I mean, uh, one of 3,200 people, I sadly didn't get to speak to him or shake his hand. But I was fascinated with the way that he worked. And as he, a lot of cherry picking work going on. So he's up on the cherry picker looking down on us. Intense concentration. And just before he went to take the shot, he looked through something that almost looked like a monocle. And he must have been getting the picture he was ultimately going to take, looking through this spyglass almost. So he was a bit like a, um, a captain of a ship looking through his, his little spyglass. I just thought it was wonderful. So, and afterwards, how did, did people immediately put their everything back on? Did they suddenly develop a sense of shame and start hiding? What, what did you see? No, I didn't see any of that. Um, people were very cold, so they were keen to get their clothes on. And the, the shoot um, on, the, on the circular bridge that revolved, they were handing out boiler suits and flip-flops, but they ran out. So we were rather eager to have certainly the flip-flops, but... If we didn't get hold of them, we didn't get hold of what's them. So a, we what's a boiler suit? Oh, it's just a like a onesie. Um, and so people, so let's. Do you know what a onesie is? Do you, could you call yes. these onesies over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like just like a onesie. Oh, um, one of those disposable outfits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So people were wearing those, and there was a layer of insulation there, of course. But they ran out, and that wasn't an issue. But some people. I think struggled with the cold more than others, and one lady I know actually fainted on the um, the final the final wow. shot. So the, the staff were running. It was it was pretty intense. It was intense, and as I say, I'm I'm used to sort of backpacking and hiking and um, and and also it's art. So I'll I'll do anything for my art, but I don't think I'd normally be naked for that length of time in in cold conditions. Unless I was preparing a piece of art, I wouldn't be naked for that length of choice time in the cold, out of choice. Mm-hmm. It was. It's amazing what you can do if you if you want to take part in something, or it's amazing what you can do the human body if if you want to push yourself. Because you wouldn't you wouldn't be naked in the cold for that long, out of choice. No way. And the people you saw there, all shapes, all sizes, all ages. Yes, fascinating. It was like a microcosm of human life because you had all shapes, all sizes, nationalities, disabilities, physical disability, mental disability. Um, it was incredible. It was really incredible. And in fact, there was one chap who was standing near us who um, he'd never done any public nudity before. And I must say, I was so impressed because he had got issues with low self-esteem and a history of depression. He shared this with me. Um, and, you know, the, my friend and naturist colleague who I was with. 
and he said to his therapist he was going to take part in the Sea of Hull and she obviously blinked because it's one extreme to the other. And he was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I looked over to see how he was getting on when it came to the stripping off and body painting. And you, he was as immersed in it as anybody was and thoroughly enjoyed the day. So whether or not he'll do anything like that again, I don't know. But he obviously took a lot away from it. And he was such a nice chap. But that's, uh, that's most impressive. You know, if you've got low self-esteem and you've got a history of depression, to go from, from having those sort of anxieties into being naked and body painted with 3,200 people is quite a feat. Well, and that's an interesting uh, point, right? Spencer Tunick has been doing these shoots for years now, uh, maybe decades yeah. even, and always mm. gets a really good turnout. So yes. you, you do a lot of promotion of naturism in the UK. Um, yeah. You know, any club would be thrilled to have 3,000 people shop. Well, in fact, they'd have a problem, I would imagine, most of them, because <laughs> they, they wouldn't have enough space. So so what, what can we learn from this? I think... Spencer, of course, is, has grown his reputation over a number of years, and it's also it was so brilliantly organised. I think, for me, the lessons to take away from it is is how it brings together so many people who normally and ordinarily wouldn't get involved in public nudity, but for the sake of art, they're willing to they're willing to try. And of course, naturism and nudity isn't simply it's not simply just taking your clothes off. That's a really base, facile, superficial take on naturism and nudism because there's so much more involved. I do a lot with um, within art because I, I love art and I, I, had, I studied art um, at school. And I've got friends who are life models, photographers, artists. I've got friends who are authors. So because I'm a creative myself, I've got a lot of friends who are creative. And they are heavily involved in um, in public nudity, but they're not necessarily aligned to, you know, a national organisation. So there's that sort of groundswell of potential um, affiliated members that is just there, really, uh, waiting to waiting to join if, if only there was enough that was of interest within the community to mm -hmm. bring them in. So you've got music as well. I mean, I've, I know um, people that enjoy, well, we, as we do, anything in life we just enjoy we just enjoy doing these things whilst we're naked or nude um so music art reading art art is a fantastic one mm. that's so good. there's a lot going on in the community and and my big thing is sport i absolutely love sport so the the ball is a is popular but mini 10 running swimming we do such a lot of swimming in the community mm -hmm. and i think people don't realize as well a lot of the clubs in the uk ours Dargely's sun club we've got fantastic facilities we've just had a refurbishment of our heated open air swimming pool forty thousand pound refurbishment and we've got a heated indoor pool we've got 10 ball pieces one full size tennis court three short courts a plunge pool areas for camping we've got amazing facilities and and I train there, and you know I've got colleagues that train there as well. But a lot of people don't realise how fantastic these places are. You've got the the sanctity of being in a space where everybody is has a similar you know, um, mindset. They've got similar principles, and the and the fact that it's such a great social leveller means that you can be in an environment where you can just divest yourself of all the nonsense that you have to put up with in everyday life. Um, and just be yourself. So just life, living life without a mask. And I love that. I love the 
honesty and the transparency that's evident in the naturist nudist community. I just don't get that in um, outside of the nudist community or textile. Do you say textile community over yes. there? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Textile community. And so I choose to spend most of my free time immersed in um, the naturist stroke nudist community. And that's where I'm at my com most comfortable. So the, the Spencer Tunic event had a lot of publicity. Do you yes. think that will help the movement? I'm sure it will because there were, in addition to the inevitable artists and creatives that I mentioned before, there were an awful lot of journalists, presenters, um, civic municipal workers, just people who had heard of, and local people who had heard of the um, of Spencer's shoot in advance and just wanted to give it a try, almost tick it off their bucket list. And it's been very interesting hearing people speak on Radio Humberside um, and talk about their experiences. I've heard largely uh, positive comments, some negative comments about the, you know, the fact that it was for adverse conditions, but... Um, you know, if it's going to be that early in the morning, you're going to get cold, and you're going to you're going to get be a bit uncomfortable if you're lying on cobbles and pavement. But most people were were you know happy to take that on board because it was part of the experience. It's you know it's an inevitability, but it really was fantastic. So you were describing your club a minute ago. Where is which club is that? Dargenes Sun Club. It's in Chalfont St Peter, which is in Buckinghamshire, um, about thirty miles from London, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it very uh, been around a long time? Yes, it's one of the oldest clubs in in um, in Great Britain. We've got there's, there's a sort of little pocket of of naturist clubs in in Buckinghamshire. We're very, I didn't realise when I moved here because I wasn't a, a naturist. I wasn't a public naturist until five years ago. I'm quite new to public naturism. I didn't realise when I moved here in excess of twenty years ago how fortunate I was because it's a hotbed of naturism. There's a number of clubs um, that splintered off from the from the original one in Brickett Wood, and we're one of the splinter groups, Diogenes Sun Club. So we've been going since um, the 1930s, I think. Mm. It's, a, it's a fantastic club. We've got about 300 members and growing, you know, because there is a lot of interest in naturism and nudism. It's just, it would be nice to see more younger people, because then we'd have... The facilities used more. They they would be using the volleyball court, the badminton court. I forgot to mention those. We have <laughs> fantastic facilities, and whilst we use them, because I'm in that average demographic, I'm 54, and the average age for UK naturists, and there's about three million of us over here, is between 50 to 60 years old. So I'm quite unusual for my age group because I have the level of energy that I've got, and I enjoy sports. You know, if you've got the people in their 20s and their 30s, then they are very much more likely to be running around the tennis courts and the badminton yeah, volleyball yeah. courts playing polo. Um, and so the facilities get used to their to their fullest, their maximum capacity. Now, have you been Not a naturist a long time? You said you only got became public five years ago, but were you a naturist before? Essentially, yes, because I was. My mother was always very comfortable with nudity, and so I was effectively brought up as a naturist, but without attributing that term to myself and then my profession in my professional life I'm a, um, a massage therapist so I I work mm -hmm. with with people nude or wearing underwear on a daily basis so I'm very very comfortable with the human body um, but I was just waiting really to find a partner to join 
the naturist community because I'd always had this perception that it was um, a couple-orientated environment. And, and it is, really, whether or not, you know, you, um, you have a same-sex relationship or um, an opposite-sex relationship. It does tend to be a very... It's a very, very couple-orientated and quite strong principles. I think people don't realise that the naturist, nudist community have such strong principles. So there's very family-orientated, they enjoy sport, uh, they like tea and cake over in Britain. Um, <laughs> and, and and they've got their own, there's an, their own set of rules over here. Uh, and and if, just as much as other people regard naturists and nudists with suspicion, we as naturists and nudists regard clothed people with suspicion. So there's that sort of inverse bias going on. It's quite ridiculous, really. So what made you decide five years ago to be so public and to become such a, a champion of the movement? Well, I'd already... I was already quite well known in terms of networking. Um, so I decided I could either be quiet about it or I could be public. And I rationalized it and I thought, if I'm quiet about this and I pretend and hide the fact that I'm doing naturism, it, the word will get out because I know so many people and I'm so vocal and active online. At some point, somebody's going to see me, someone will mention it, and then the cat's out the bag. And that almost makes it a sort of, um, it would make it appear shameful, which is crazy because it's the most natural thing in the world. Um, so I decided to be public and it's certainly not a decision I've regretted. I, I think I announced it appropriately given my love of Twitter. I announced it on Twitter hmm. and I expected there to be comments and you know, people just almost shrugged their shoulders. It's yes, next. I didn't receive any negative um negative feedback from my from the business the professional community i just received um adverse reactions from family members interestingly but just a couple um some of them just again like the business community shrugged their shoulders and thought what what's she up to now but a couple of family members and close family members were quite horrified but they're very used to it now and in fact one who was particularly horrified is one of my greatest champions i'm not going to i'm not going to single them out other than to say close family members <laughs> And, and they are horrified and they still talk to you, though? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so one of them now is couldn't be more proud of me, but initially it was absolute shock and horror. And, of course, there are, there are negative connotations around um, nudism and naturism, which are just based on myth, and that's another reason why I decided to be so public about it, because it's not shameful. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's something to champion. And I'm also trying to dispel the myths that abound around the community because, you know, we're just the same as anybody else. We just have a preference for um, for being as as nature as God intended, just not to wear clothes. So you I've been public for decades and yeah. uh, I know the kind of reaction that I get. But I've learned that when women are public about it they get a very different sort of reaction that uh, I never experienced, which is you get uh, men contacting you and asking you to do things or send pictures in certain positions or making suggestive or uh, obscene kind of remarks. Do you get that? Um, no, no. I think it's possibly because I'm quite a strong character anyway, and I think <laughs> I don't think they'd dare to. <laughs> <laughs> I do, however, get an awful lot of um, selfies, which it, but I don't. I mean, I don't worry about that. These are the the, nat the naturist men seem to be particularly keen on sending selfies, and for me, it's not an issue. It's it's almost as if it's almost like a hello. 
in in a textile community from a naturist male's point of view because they tend to be less tend to have fewer hang-ups than naturist females I right. think for an, someone who wasn't so um, comfortable with the human body they might find that slightly unnerving but for me it's almost like shaking hands yet yeah, hi you know because I I'm so used to the naked it, if the, if someone sent me a naked se se um, selfie and there was a sexual inference then whoa I wouldn't be impressed but these are just normal naturist pictures so I'm I'm very used to my inbox has got a quite a few pictures of naked naked men mainly naked wet men not many naked women <laughs> Because I've had, you know, yes, well, I've had, uh, I've known a number of women who have become public about the fact they're naturist or, and they've been almost turned off by the, uh, the reactions and the attention they were getting, which is not always a nice attention or the attention they were looking for. And that concerns me. Yeah, well, that is obviously, I sometimes see when I'm out and about, if, um, if a would-be naturist female is attending an event, People do tend to want to try and encourage them to join the community and show them how welcoming it is. And sometimes, if you're not sure, I mean, I was just very comfortable with being naked and in a nude environment anyway. But if someone has is slightly unnerved or they're not sure, if you have a number of people coming up towards you, almost swamping you, trying to give you advice and be encouraging, it can be a bit off-putting. And I think it's, it's often well-intentioned mm -hmm. and perhaps it's misinterpreted. I don't think often that... Um, that new naturist females coming into the uh, community are always handled with the sensitivity they should be, which is why I help out with Naturist London. I'm, I'm one of the women that helps to um, just encourage women to perhaps try it. And, and that's just, I'm just a sort of um, a face, a friendly face, so that if they've got any questions or if they want to go to the swim on their own, they know there's going to be another woman there. Because whilst it's well-intentioned, it's, it's obviously better for a woman to to encourage another woman rather than a man because it's a bit disconcerting if you're a woman to have a man trying to encourage you to join the community, I think, on many occasions. Certainly for the younger women, uh, they're not necessarily going to want an older woman or an older man to bring... They would they would far rather a peer, a, you know, one of their peers bring them in. Right, yeah. But there aren't that many, there aren't that many um, of the younger naturists who, around able to do that or confident enough to do that i think that's the thing as we get older we gain more confidence and we also we gain business experience and we gain those sort of skills and aptitudes that enable us to be communicators and they enable us to to um to lead and all those things that you really need and require if you if you're going to encourage people to try what we what we do and what we enjoy so much well, we've had a lot of young people join our club, and uh, one particular young woman I'm thinking of specifically uh, yeah. decided to, you know, that on Facebook she was going to say what a great place uh, our club was and bring to bring her kids, um, only to have her brother-in-law hit on her and make some suggestions about what they should be doing together. That was completely inappropriate <laughs> um, and very shocking. The and assumption, was that privately? Or privately? It was privately, yeah, yeah, a private message. Oh, um, poor woman. Yeah, well, it almost turned her right off um, until she became angry and realized it was him. You know, it's yes, a very common right. thing in our society for women to feel somehow responsible for the people who, uh, you know, make inappropriate suggestions. You know, oh, what's, you, were, you, sh you shouldn't have acted that way or the way you were dressed. It's really your fault. And in fact, at first, when she told uh, her, uh, her sister-in-law... Our sister, uh, the man's wife, um, 
she blamed her for it. She said, well, you, oh. you, you, know, you, you let him on. I, well, of course she didn't. No, no. <laughs> Just because you take no. your clothes off and you like to be naked doesn't mean you're asking for sex. There, yeah, that is an unfortunate connotation. And, uh, and how, quite how we overturn that, I don't know. But I think it's hopeful expectation on the man's part. <laughs> well, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there is, there is an element of that. And, um, and I just shoot it down in flames, as other women do. But yeah, I can. I would. I would share your sentiment there. That that poor lady, um, I'd have been furious, absolutely furious. Yeah, um, I it just, does I, go on. I'm sorry. I just. On. I was going to say. I, I. I'm sorry to think that we almost need to warn women that you know, you shouldn't be ashamed and you shouldn't hide, but you should be prepared that there's some that will react a certain way. I don't know. I think because we all, you receive what you put out in life. You know that sort of the law of attraction. If you go out into the community anticipating problems, I think you're more likely to attract them. Um, I, I personally, I prefer being in the company of naturist males. I trust them more, they're very protective, and the naturist men within the community, they're, they're keen to obviously see a better gender balance, but they're very, very protective of the women in the community. I'm met with nothing but support. Oh, I agree. I yeah, agree. I think, um, but the problem is not in the, the community. It's on the internet, online, on social media, yeah. because they're not naturists, the ones who are doing this. They're not. They're not. Absolutely not. But the problem is, if if someone, if they've got a fledgling female naturist, and you start pointing out all the potential pitfalls, it's likely to make them just walk the other way. So, I think everybody's aware that there's negative aspects of being online. You get the trolls. You get the sock puppets. And any hint of nudity, people are going to come jump to the wrong conclusions well the textile um the textile community are likely to because there's that very linear um link between in some people's mind nudity and sex which is ridiculous but so you're not going to overturn that overnight but the more we educate people about the true nature of naturism and stroke nudism then the better it will be people ultimately long term um, I just I think online is a it can be a cesspit, but it can also be um, an absolutely amazing font of information and knowledge, and also for connecting people. I've met some wonderful mm -hmm. wonderful people all over the world through the networking I've done for over a decade now. I've gained some great friends through it, and I've even been invited to a wedding purely on the strength of online communication. You get to know people very well. You also get to know who the idiots are. <laughs> True enough. So, <laughs> so what do you think? What do you think the solution is for the future of naturism then? To I think I think we just continue to broadcast what an amazing lifestyle it is and how wonderful the people are and how liberated we are. And I think it's in France they are seeing a huge upsurge in, in younger people taking up naturism because they under they're un, they understand how empowering it is and how liberating it is. And I kept hearing in the radio broadcasts on Radio Humberside that were coming out from today as they were interviewing participants, people who'd never done nudity, public nudity before, they were all saying how liberating it was, how powerful the experience was, how they'd love to do it again. There were some people who said, well, they've done it the once, they're not trying it again. It's not for everybody. But the vast majority of people were ticking that big yes box. Yes, I want to do that again. And lots of thanks to Spencer, you know, for bringing this huge collaboration together and putting Hull on the map. But I really must look and see where Hull is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
hopeless. <laughs> Where's my sat nav? <laughs> Well, that sounded like it was a lot of fun. I uh, hope that someday I will get an opportunity to participate in uh, such a large-scale Spencer Tunic installation. But for now, that's all for this episode of The Nature's Living Show. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for being loyal and uh, being patient. Again, my name is Stéphane Deschain. I'm your host for this podcast and the owner of Baroque's Family Nature's Park. You'll find links to all of the items I mentioned in the show notes on the website at naturistlivingoneword.baroques.ca. And do please keep sending your comments and suggestions. I will, by the time you hear this, I will have caught up with a lot of correspondence that came in over the summer and spring that I did not respond to. My apologies. Um, I, I do appreciate getting them. I've read them. I just didn't have the time to really respond to a lot of them. Uh, I probably should have. The show's email address is naturistliving at bareoaks.ca. That's B-A-R-E, of course, bareoaks.ca. And you can also call and leave a comment. I don't get a lot of them, but when we've had them, we try to put them on. You can take as many tries as you like, and you can even delete it when you're done if you don't like it. Um, I can't promise I'll use it, but I will listen to it. And if it's at all interesting, we'll definitely put it on the show. The phone number is uh, country code 1, area code 905-473-6060, extension 333. If you're in North America, you can call toll-free one 373 Or you can Skype us at Baroques, just Baroques, B-A-R-E-O-A-K-S is one word. And in all cases, it's, it's extension 333 that takes you to the mailbox for The Naturist Living Show. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us again for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. Traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social, and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca.